It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Pacers fans, emergency podcast. We never post in the middle of the day, but we have to today. Me and Adam are both here for this because it's big news. Uh, the Pacers are adding a, a substantially solid player to their roster, Trevor Booker has been waived by the Philadelphia 76 sorry, bought out by the Philadelphia 76ers, which is actually a crucial difference compared to being waived. He will join the Pacers as soon as he clears waivers on Friday. Tony East, me from the West Indianapolis Community News, and Adam from Indy Cornrows are going to break it down for you. Adam, how pumped are you or not pumped? Well, nice job saving there in the open. We've been told by our <laughs> lovely boss, David Locke, to introduce ourselves as to we're reaching a new audience because we are expanding. We are growing as a podcast. We are up to almost 11,000 monthly um, downloads, which I don't know how many, that couldn't mean thousands of more in audience, but so good job saving at the end to finally snag up who we are. So if you're new out there listening to us, that's that, that's who we are. But uh, I'm going to talk about Trevor Booker because it finally adds a 10th guy to this Pacers team and no longer will we get to have to see Al Jefferson basically. Yes. Well, also no more TJ leaf, which, you can look at that two ways of, you know, at the beginning of the season, I'd have been bummed that we're not seeing TJ Leaf anymore because development. But now that they're pretty firmly cemented in the push for, you know, a top four seed, you want the 50 wins, you know, adding a guy like Booker beyond the the contributions that he himself brings, you know, the minutes you no longer have TJ Leaf or Bojan even playing for, you know, you're better for it. Yeah, and this is just a sign that Leaf is just not going to play that much for the season, which yep. is fine. He sort of reached his, I want to say, like usefulness in some sense for the season. I mean, obviously, he's super young. He still is just not there defensively at all, so it's fine. I mean, I don't, I'm not mad about not seeing Leaf in the playoffs. I think, you know, Leaf is not good next year, something to worry about if he's not improving, but right now it's fine. Leaf's kind of reached his his best he could be this season almost, and bringing Booker in at least allows them to now play basically the bonus at the backup five play less like you said a bowion at the four and it, it just it does help the team with death overall yeah and that was a you know that was just my transition not involving booker but talking booker himself i mean i do you even expect him to play more than like 10 minutes a game you know i think that's gonna depend uh i think booker is kind of similar to thaddeus young in some sense oh, so they, wow. i don't well here's how i'm gonna put it in similar and what i mean by is they're both undersized power forward in some yes. sense and what and by that i mean is that Instead of playing Sabonis at the the four, like we've kind of seen, we've seen a lot of those Turner Sabonis lineups more recently. Uh, I, I can imagine they just they just sort of try to seamlessly fit Booker in instead of trying to kind of mix it up with Sabonis, which is kind of sad because I wanted to see more Sabonis Turner, but I think I think Booker probably gets to ten or fifteen minutes. I think, especially if depending where Glenn is at, if he's only going to play fifteen off the bench, you sort of that creates like one player essentially in, t- in playing time. Yeah, uh, for sure, and and I think he. Fits really well with Turner uh, on offense, especially. Uh, and I think you're, I, I do agree with you about the undersized four thing. You know, he's that, he's kind of a bruiser and he's a lefty and he's got nice touch because his lefty 
his left-handed shot, you know, lets him shoot around and over guys who expect right-handed shots, but he's only six, eight and 228 pounds, which for the play style he has, isn't perfect, but he's just super aggressive. And, 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 you know, that, that kind of caters to how he plays in the paint, but that's his thing is like, he's really good in the paint on both ends. And that's kind of where he's limited. And that's why I think he's only going to play like 10 or 15 minutes because I don't think there's a way you can play him with Sabonis because they're both, you know, they, they would clog it up too much. And Nate just said before the Hawks game that the best part about having Glenn back is they can stretch the floor more, which they're trying to do. So I don't think he'll ever play with Sabonis, but I think he would go well with Turner. And I, like I already said, I think he's a, a much, much, much better backup four than what they've had. And I think McMillan actually likes to play Sabonis and Young together, to be honest. I think he likes the lineups of Stevenson, Sabonis, and Young because when you play, basically what they were kind of doing was either playing Big Al at times or they were kind of like bringing in Sabonis to back up Young and then back up Turner and kind of trying to like manipulate the three of them into, you know, whatever minutes available, 96 minutes for the three of them. But I think, you know, McMillan, you might see a quick trigger on Thad and then see Thad more on the bench for the bench unit, which will help them overall in the bench unit get some offense going. Uh, also, Thad is underratedly on, on defense. He's just underrated in general yeah. on defensive end, the things he can kind of create on turnovers and fast breaks. So I think overall, this is probably a move to more kind of push Thad towards playing with some of the bench unit more often. I think that will obviously still close games that like he's been doing, but you might see, you know, if that get pulled up like the eight minute mark of games first quarter, instead of, you know, going, I think he goes right now to like almost the four or two minute mark in the first. Yeah. I, I totally think that will be, you know, one of the options, but I do think it'll be a turnstile like that where either one of Turner or Thad comes out for their backup at their position. And then the next sub is the opposite position. And just keep rotating to keep the, to make sure that they don't have any uh, bad duos together. And I don't think Booker would necessarily be bad with Sabonis. I just think that's probably the worst realistic duo we're going to see um, just because their play styles are, are not really complementary. Yeah. But Sabonis seems to fit with a lot of players. He makes yeah, it his, work. His, increase, his improved passing has really changed my outlook on who he fits with. Yeah. And he does just a really good job of space. I don't want to say he doesn't, he doesn't like space before his three point shot, but the way he moves around on the court, it almost like it's an, always a threat of, all of a sudden he ends up in the right spot. You know, he always kind of finds his spot to get a shot in the floor. You watch it a lot. Like, you know, all of a sudden the whole lane get clogged by, you know, Vic, let's say Vic comes in the lane and then you see young there. All of a sudden the bonus kind of creaks out just enough to get a nice little shot off or get one of those like, one handed left hander little float, float shots up. Um, the only reason I like to see Booker and Sabonis to be honest would be because they're both left-handed and they would like yeah. completely throw defenses off. Yeah, no, that that's how I was actually thinking that when I was talking about it, because it's, it doesn't, it seem like post players struggle with the switch to guarding lefties more than other. Yeah, and, and honestly, sometimes I forget. I mean, now I've gotten used to it, but I forget Simone's left-handed. Like, he'll go for a dunk, and I'll be like, wow, he dunked that ball like, <laughs> on the other side of the hoop. Oh, wait, he's left-handed. That's why. Like, it, it's the kind of thing where, uh, at least if you – like, I think in a playoff series, it becomes less effective because teams are watching it on film nonstop. But during the regular season, night after night, players don't always get to watch, you know, the, the backup center a ton on film, so they don't, like, remember he's left-handed. So, you know, you get a couple easy buckets out of it or because the defense is kind of like make one little – move to the right because I think oh he's gonna go right but then he goes left it's Bill Simmons talked about a lot in his podcast is how like the left-handed guy sometimes gets an easy pass because he wouldn't get it he was right-handed exactly and that helps Booker too because any him being aggressive leads into that too because he catches him off guard and then his aggressiveness lets him shoot right away uh another thing I want to talk about with Booker is the whole playoff eligibility thing it's kind of a confusing-ish rule but you can't be on another NBA roster in March at all to play for another team in the playoffs so if he just got straight up waived by the Sixers, he would technically be on the Sixers cap sheet 
for the 48 hours he was on waivers. So he wouldn't have been eligible to play with another team, but he got a buyout. So that means he's not on their cap ledger during the waiver process. So after 48 hours, then he becomes unrestricted and can play for another team in the playoffs. And, you know, it was first, it looked like it was just a report like, okay, Trevor Booker's coming to Indiana, but then he tweeted Indy what's up or something like that, or let's get it. So he's definitely coming. <laughs> we just have to wait till Friday. Uh, that's the other logistical thing in this that we haven't said yet is uh, with the addition of Trey McKinney Jones's 10 day, you'll have to wave a player uh, on Friday to sign him, but it's going to be Trey McKinney Jones. I don't even think we have to guess otherwise. Right. Yeah. And this is why you tune into lockdown Pacer podcast. If you're out there listening is because Tony, <laughs> uh, he knows all the minute little CBA rules, just like that one where he's learned them, whether he's read them somewhere. I don't think he's read the whole CBA, but he, he I have twice. Okay. He has apparently I've read some parts of it online, but I don't know if it's whatever he has. That's why you tune in this podcast. Um, there's another show. I'm not going to say the name of it, but on Twitter, who has messed, who messed <laughs> up, who messed up the Al, the Al Jefferson contract by uh, saying no they're going to cut Jefferson because I'm sorry, whatever, the money they were going to save, but they were wrong. And if you listen, listen to this locked on Pacers podcast, we've been saying that since June. I mean, we've been on it since the very start of free agency and whatnot. You know, we, we've talked, we talked last week, even we talked about Al Jefferson's date, how he's not guaranteed until January and all those things. So, this is why you got to tune in a lockdown because we Tony has those little nuggets that you just wouldn't expect. Obviously follow him on Twitter. He gets you a little bit, but he really goes into the detail on this show. Uh, no comment. <laughs> and for that, Tony is a wimp still, but he's still really good at finding out about the, uh, the minute details. Uh, I do love the minute details of the CBA and that that's how that works. So, but he won't be on the team till Friday. So uh, if you're listening to this before the Hawks game, we'll still have TMJ uh, if you're listening to a Hawks re or if you're listening after the Hawks game, first of all, check out the Hawks recap that I'm about to do. Uh, second of all, he might have been waived already. Uh, they might just keep him till Friday because why not have him do NBA practices, but then they have to pay him. So it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that. But that's when the official announcement will come. Uh, as for Booker specifically, when he joins, you know, we've talked about him being a backup four. Uh, he's really that bruiser type. He's much better on defense than offense. Uh, he can guard centers pretty well. And I think he'll be really useful against teams that will also do two bigs like the Pistons and the Pelicans used to be. Um, he'll, he'll be more effective against those kind of teams because he's better at guarding centers in the paint. He's had actually a positive defensive box plus minus every single year of his career, including his rookie year, which is pretty tough to do. So I, I look forward to him on that end of the floor, making it tough for guys to finish around the basket. Uh, and another important thing that isn't being talked about too much is uh, that he's injury assurance, you know, knock on wood. But uh, if, you know, if another big does get hurt, you know, Booker's serviceable enough that you're not totally killed in your rotation throwing him in. Yeah, that's what I wanted to get to with you was mainly this, sign- this signing is a move of some kind of mix of experimenting and not having to play out Jefferson or TJ Leaf. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, it's really what this, this signing is for. It's it's in case, you know, we've seen Turner's been injury prone this season. Um, a bonus hasn't well, his biggest thing was he got the flu or got the sniffles for like a week, but it was fine, but he's insurance in case somebody gets hurt and also an insurance in the case, maybe you can find a lineup where he works really well. Like, you know, you, I'm sure over the next, you know, 20 games or so, they're going to try, try him out in different spots, yep. you know, playing with different players. And maybe you hit something that's like, Oh man, he works really well with this player. Like maybe he works really well with Turner. Maybe there's a bench unit where it's Turner, him and all the bench guys something like that. Cause I think, that could work in some sense, but I think that's why you sign him. It just adds depth. I mean, this is another guy who at least can play in the rotation in the playoffs. 
It puts them to 10 guys now. They're probably going to play eight or nine in the playoffs, but this gets them 10 guys to, you know, to, to use at least. Yeah, he, you can put him in in the playoffs and be confident that you won't get totally killed. Like if you had TJ Leaf in, in the playoffs, I I just think you're going to get killed. So I, I do like that. Uh, another thing I like about Booker, he's uh, pretty efficient. His effective field goal percentage has been over 50% every year of his career. Basically means he gets over a point per shot when he shoots. Um, but that's, uh, that's what you want him to be. He started to kind of try to stretch out his game, but he's still pretty bad from three. I think his career high is 34.5%. So that's where I think his, him and Thad's biggest difference is, is Thad can stretch the floor a lot better. Um, but I, I think he'll be good in the lane uh, and be effective there. He's a pretty good screener too, which it seems like everyone on the Pacers is. But the only uh, asterisk I have to what I just said is it seems like a lot of people come to the Pacers and become a better three-point shooter. And I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at all. So, you know, I could just be blowing smoke with that, but I, I don't expect him to be behind the three-point line a ton. Yeah, I don't think he has enough time. I think if he was going to be here for two years, like this season, next season, you could say that. But I, I mean, it's too late in the season for him really to change his game. And he really is he's, what he's averaging is right now. He's averaging two tenths of a three per game in his <laughs> 33 games with Philly. So I'm equating that. I'm trying to do math in my head. It, it really equates to like six threes taken the whole season, basically. Uh, with so, Philly, he took seven threes in 33 games. Oh man, I was I was close. I <laughs> wow, I, very good. I, I was actually not bad. I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for that one. Um, <laughs> but that's basically what it means. I don't think, but I think. It's interesting that Pacers, you know, they're basically through the first 50 or before the All-Star break amount of games they were ever there were, were basically reliant on their offense kind of outweighing how bad their, their defense has been. But since the All-Star break, they've now essentially added two pretty solid offensive players, I would say, in Robinson and Booker. And it gives them a just a different dynamic going into the playoffs because I think they maybe won't be as reliant as just needing the bench unit to score a ton. You know, with Jefferson, it was like he had to score eight points or it wasn't effective, but Booker, because of his defense, can be out there with the bench guys and only score two points, but still be a positive. Yeah, and the two guys you just said, Glenn and Booker, are both solid on defense, which is nice. There, you know, I think they'll actually pair pretty well together. Booker's, again, he's not a great passer, but he's not a bad passer. Robinson's still a good cutter and floor spacer, so I, I think they'll work uh, nicely together. And I just like having 10 guys for the playoffs. Now you're more situational. And that is, you know, we we talk about Nate a lot and what he's good and bad at. That is something he's good at is getting the right lineup in in any situation. So I do like that he has more versatility with that now too. Yeah, I have one worry though that if they have 10 guys who can play, Nate will play all 10 <laughs> too many minutes in some sense. Because honestly, in the playoffs, he's going to have to, he should just have to play Vic 38, Turner 35. But you know what I mean? Those guys that many minutes, as long as they're not in foul trouble, knock on wood for Turner and Sabonis who seem to be involved in every other game. But if it also was Vic on Monday, was in foul trouble. But as what worries me is that he's he goes almost too deep in the playoffs. Where I think in the playoffs, you got to just say, I'm going to play these eight guys most of the time, and I'm maybe going to sprinkle in a little bit of the other two. But he can't get too fancy because bench depth isn't really as important in the playoffs as it maybe the first round it is. But after that, it stops being really at all important. Exactly. It's all about your stars. It's all about your top three, really. And again, injury assurance is key there because if he does have to be one of the eight guys, it's not the end of the world. I mean, it's it's worse, but it's not the end of the world. And that's that's very huge. And getting him for a minimum is huge. You know, uh, before Sham, Shams, Shams, Tarania, I don't know how to say his first name. I apologize. Um, Shams. OK, before Shams Tarania reported that it was a minimum deal, I thought that he was picking Indiana because they could pay him more. You know, they had that five point eight million in space, but it's just a minimum. They're only paying him for only I put in air quotes uh, four hundred fifty seven thousand for his uh, rest of the season deal. So, you know, they still have I mean, 
this is probably not relevant information, but like if Chris Bosch comes back or something, I don't know. Uh, they still have space to wave someone and sign another player. Uh, and they just got them for cheap, which is nice for, for everybody. So don't, don't you wish like, like in the NFL cap space was rolloverable? You could roll it over season. by no, season. No, I don't. <laughs> oh, I do with the 5 million <laughs> space. That would be really viable next year to have that. Plus whatever you have, you could tell max deal, but no, I, uh, I don't like that because I like when everyone gets paid. Well, no, you get paid eventually. It's just that you can roll it over so many seasons. No, I mean, like minimum guys, like if you're on the fringes of the league, it's even harder to get in if, if cap space rolls over. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it is. I mean, that's why there's maxes at all, because uh, this is a random tangent for listeners. Uh, the, the reason max contracts exist, right, is so there's enough money to go around for everybody, because well, I mean, yeah, I think it'd be better for parity if like the Magic could offer Ben Simmons $80 million a year and then they'd get their superstar finally. but at the same time, then they couldn't offer no one else any money. So the reason Max exists is to get everybody. The NBA is all about being equitable to all the players and the middle class NBA players, and that's what <laughs> that's what the, that's what the Max is prevent is preventing exactly. a, a cluster around the twelve best players who really decide the league getting the twelve getting eighty million dollars each. Yeah, and then Draymond's been on the forefront of the making sure everybody gets paid stuff, and I, I like him for that. But that was a random tangent, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I like I like the cheap deal for Booker. Uh, I really see very, very few downsides. It's just it, the only thing that sucks is they have to wave TMJ uh, and they didn't get to see a lot of them, but it's a 10 day. It is what it is. Yeah, I don't want to get into that cap stuff right now. I have a lot of opinions <laughs> on that, but that's not for today. That's for mm-hmm. a summer a summer talk. Um, uh, you have an article you just wrote. Yeah, I did. I just won the posted on Wednesday morning about Sabonis and Horford comparison. Talked about it on our Tuesday show. Talked about it on our previous week show too. Um, I wasn't sure I was going to write about it to get off with, but then kind of the best idea i had so that's what i wrote about it was pretty good i compared them to the hawks uh, 14 15 hawks teams what the pitches could be in 2020 how you know i know that hawks team didn't have great playoff success but they also ran into lebron james and i think any team no matter how many wins they got was going to lose to lebron james in the eastern conference so i mean getting winning 60 games is an accomplishment the Pacers could do that in two seasons that would be an accomplishment yeah exactly it was a good piece so you guys should read it um, then, you, then you've got a piece. Well, I just posted on Devin Booker. Or not Devin Booker. Trevor, well, actually, hilarious. Uh, shout out to Jonathan Matthews for telling me this. Uh, Trevor Booker has a relative named Devin Booker, and it is not the Devin Booker. But anyway. yeah, that was a slip of the tongue, though. Trevor Booker. You <laughs> I, posted uh, all yeah. of two hours ago. I'll have a more in-depth piece about Trevor Booker out tomorrow. His strengths and stuff. Um, and then I want to do some on Glenn Robinson's cutting by the end of the week too, which will be fun. But, and then you're also going to have another show up. It's going to post if you listen to this right at, yeah, right, right on Wednesday night. Yeah, post Wednesday tomorrow. night show rare Hawks recap up tomorrow. Um, and then we'll be back to do Wizards and Bucks preview together on Friday. Yep, which will be important because those three games are going to be critical Huge to whether this team is going to be the five seed or the seven seed. Humongous games. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. What's, I'm gonna, what's the standings right now? They are. I, after last time, the Bucks played the Wizards last night, so I got to pull up the standings to make sure. But they're they're yeah, Bradley Beal clutch. Bradley Beal. Uh, the Beal's Wizards are it. one and a half games ahead of the Pacers. The Bucks are one game behind the Pacers. Yeah, so that could it could they could widen the gap between the Bucks, get to like a three game lead, or and then close it on the Wizards, or they could go the exact opposite ways. Yeah, could go a lot of ways. Also, I know we talked about doing a Pistons watch because they were the team who could, in theory, eliminate the Pacers. Well, one, they've been struggling. Two, the Hornets are now a half game behind the Pistons, and three, with every Pistons loss, 
it gets less and less likely that it even happens. I mean, making up six games in in twenty in a twenty two game span is is insanely hard. So maybe it should I, be Hornets watch who we play twice at the end of the season. Hornets watch is more realistic, but I uh, again six game six catching up six games in twenty two is insanely hard. So. Yeah, it would take a tumble by the Pacers, which is not they have a very tough schedule. I think they have the toughest schedule. But a magic number of sixteen of sixteen combined wins between the Pacers and Pistons is not that crazy hard. Yeah, and also that Mavs loss is going to come back to bite them because it's one it's it's a bad team yes. they need to get. Yeah, the Mavs somehow have their number, but uh, I, that was a weird game, man. But it was. I talked about it yes on yesterday's show. Did. I know. Um, but I didn't get to ramble. You got to ramble. That's yeah, that true. Was, I did. That's just a weird game. Uh, I don't know. I couldn't explain it. Uh, JJ, how does JJ Bray do it? It's crazy. I don't know. That behind the back pass was insane. Insane. He's so good for his size. I said, so I'll say it to you, you know, uh, what if Joe Young's ceiling is JJ Bray? I would love that. No, JJ Brad is better than him. JJ Barrett, like, I know right now. Best, almost the second best player on a, on a championship team like, that year they won. That's true. Ceiling, yeah, you're right, Dan. JJ Barrett was like the second best player on that team in 2011, almost. Almost in the playoffs at least. Oh, he was good. He was actually good. Awesome. He played better than Derek Rose played in the, against the Heat. Yeah, he did. He was good. And Lance was just dead. Lance just got caught looking around, not knowing what was going half the time. Yeah, he did not have a very good game. No, I mean, it was worries me of could that be playoff Lance? Uh, I don't think so. I think he'll dial in. He did last year and when he was on the Pacers before. Yeah, hopefully he'll dial in, but I don't know. If we he's, have, if he's uh, cold, it stinks. You know who else is going to dial in in the playoffs? Trevor Booker. Hopefully he will. Hopefully he does. Uh, this has been an emergency Locked On Pacers podcast. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow to recap this Hawks game. I cannot wait to be done talking about the Hawks. Um, other than that, be on the lookout for our Friday show. As always, we'll be back together. We're excited to kick off a fun March month of a game every day. So lots of content coming from us. Um, that's all I got. Follow the Twitter at Locked On Pacers. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.